Welcome back to Steph's Business Bookshelf. This week, sharing the three big ideas from the book Getting Things Done by David Allen. Keep listening to find out why you need to outsource your brain. You're listening to Steph's Business Bookshelf, doing the reading so you don't have to. Welcome back. I'm your host, Steph Clark. And as with every week, or pretty much every week, sharing the three big ideas from the best non-fiction and business books that I've been reading to help you, a busy, ambitious person, get more from your commute with these short-form podcasts that share the three big ideas from those books. As this one is going live in mid-January 2020, still in New Year's resolution kind of mode, so a lot of people, you may be one of them, may still be getting things done, pardon the pun, to improve things and get things better or make things better for this new year. If that is you, and that is part of the reason that I'm covering this book at this stage, this was a book that I read at the end of 2019, and people who I've heard talk about the method seem to absolutely swear by it. So I decided to tackle it at the end of 2019, ready to put into practice in 2020. I have been putting some of it into practice and I'll be sharing some of my use cases from using the method as we go through the episode. As usual, before we dive into the three big ideas, I took from this book a little bit about the author and a bit of a synopsis of the book. Productivity King David Allen is considered one of the world's leading authorities on getting things done. He has spent over three decades researching, teaching and coaching and has been recognised as one of the top executive coaches by Forbes and the, uh, and the top 100 thought leaders by Leadership Magazine. David has written three books, including the 2001 bestseller Getting Things Done, The Art of Stress-Free Productivity, and his Getting Things Done or GTD programme has received tremendous praise and is in widespread use. That's taken from the Growth Faculty website, which had a good overview of David and his work. Now, if you want to learn a little bit more about David, I actually heard, so I had this book on my radar for some time, but kind of forgotten about it. It was deep in the to-be-read pile and in my want-to-read list on Goodreads. But then I heard an interview with him on my favourite Tim Ferriss show podcast. I'll put a link to that episode in the show notes. As usual, it's a Tim Ferriss episode, so it is about two hours long. Luckily, I was doing some long driving that particular week. But it is a really interesting overview of of how David became this productivity guru. He started in management consulting and started doing various other things and kind of ended up doing this. Like I mentioned, I'll add that link to the show notes so you can listen to that episode if you're interested in finding out a little bit more about David and his very interesting and colourful life. A little bit about the book before we get into the ideas. Getting Things Done is a personal productivity methodology that redefines how you approach your life and work. Hands up who needs that. Not if you're driving. Put your hands back down. In today's world, yesterday's methods just don't work. In Getting Things Done, veteran coach and management consultant David Allen shares the breakthrough methods for stress-free performance that he has introduced to tens of thousands of people across the country, and I'd say across the world. Alan's premise is simple. Our productivity is directly proportional to our ability to relax. Only when our minds are clear and our thoughts are organized can we achieve effective productivity and unleash our creative potential. And that's taken from the Amazon book blurb, link in the show notes. Other links I've included in the show notes is obviously the Tim Ferriss podcast interview and also a link to the Getting Things Done website, which has got lots of other information about the method, ways you can get training, ways you can find out more and other resources if this whets your appetite and tickles your fancy to find out more about the method. 
Let's get into the three big ideas I took from the book and some of my own experiments from using this method. Big idea number one, outsource your brain. A fundamental principle of this method is that your brain is not designed to remember much. And he talks in the book about our brains only really being able to hold about four to seven items as memories. And how many people are remembering or trying to remember more than four to seven things? Every single one of us is holding many, many things in our brain. But our brains apparently are not designed to remember. They're used, they're most evolved to generate ideas, not to hold ideas. So David wants us to free our brain from the shackles of remembering things and instead use them for what they are designed for and come up, coming up with better ideas. Therefore, we need to develop external systems, an external system for our brain, so that outsourcing of our brain to help with the mental load of all the things we have to remember. It helps with distraction and overwhelm, this particular method or this, this principle, this fundamental principle of outsourcing our brain because it's often, you'll, you'll find this yourself, we end up jumping around 10 different things or opening up many different tabs. If you think of your brain like a, like a browser, you have lots of different tabs open, which just gets us distracted. because so we're starting to do one thing, we think, oh no, well, that reminds me, I need to do the other thing. And then we either start doing it, or that reminds us of another thing. We end up in this big old spiral of just remembering all the stuff we haven't done or we need to do, and then feeling overwhelmed and not doing the productive thing that we started off doing two hours ago. So it's only a short big idea, but it's so fundamental to this book and to this method that it deserves a big idea of its own, which is to outsource your brain. Use it for what it's designed for, which is idea generation, not idea or thing remembering. Big idea number two is to collect and clarify. The first step of the method is downloading everything. So clearing our brain, outsourcing it and downloading all the things we're holding onto a piece of paper or probably multiple pieces of paper. In the book and in the episode of the Tim Ferriss podcast that I heard David on, he was talking about how sometimes with the executives he works with, this can take up to six hours, sometimes even more. There was some, a couple of examples, definitely on the extreme, where this took a lot longer. What he does is he walks around with people. So when he's doing particularly the the one-on-one the -on -one consulting, less so in obviously the workshops, he will walk around that person's office with them. And in every drawer and in every nook and cranny, they will have to write down and remember and collate and collect all the things that they are holding in their mind. Now it might be to replace the photos on their desk, or it could be that they need to send an email or process the financial reports, whatever it happens to be, but it can be the minutia kind of logistic stuff, or it can be the big, scary, nasty things like doing a tax return. But this doesn't stop in the office. So he might go to the person's home and either their home office or just walking around the house to again, find all of those things, those niggly things that you think, oh yeah, I really need to sort out that drawer of receipts, you know, that drawer in the kitchen that's got all sorts of weird things from like 1992 and you know, that one. So it could be anything like that. And all of those things, they go onto a list or they get physically picked up if it's a piece of paper that needs filing or looking at or dealing with in some way. And they all go into the in-tray. And the in-tray is another really important part of the method. That's where all your collation happens, both with that initial download or that initial dump of all the things that need to happen, but also as then as you go through and use the method. 
This then brings us to the processing stage. So once everything has been collect, uh, collected and collated into a pile or into that in tray, now obviously the, that, the drawer that's in the kitchen or something big that needs fixing can't necessarily go in the in tray, that would be ridiculous. So you would write that down on a piece of paper and say, buy a new laptop or whatever it is, and put that in the physical in tray. And he's quite big on having a physical in tray. So then once you've got this physical in tray fill up of all your bits of paper and other stuff that goes in there, you process one at a time. And the really important point here is that you only touch everything once. So once it's come out the in tray, it cannot go back in. That's it. You need to process it there and then. And there's a there's a rule that he has, or there's various rules that he has around this. And there's things like the two minute rule. So if something will take less than two minutes, it has to be done straight away. There's no excuse for just piling up things that are all really short two minute tasks. Now, actually, I was, something I had used before was the two minute rule. I didn't know this is where it was from. So it was good to see the original source. A key question to ask yourself during the process or the processing stage is what's the next action? Because eventually everything is collated into different lists that are focused on those next actions. Those different lists are quite specific and they are your projects list. So that is anything that takes more than a couple of actions. So that would be something like complete your tax return or a project, a lateral project you're working on at work. So something that takes two or more actions would go in the projects list. Next actions, it's kind of like a to-do list, but a bit smarter. Reference, so that's your reference documents, all of those things that you know you might want to look back on or that you do need to look back on either for your projects you're working on or just anything that you need to keep to hand to look back on or refer to at any point. The someday maybe list, this is probably one of my favorite ones in the method, which I'll talk about in a moment and the waiting on list. So this is anything that you're waiting on someone else to take an action before you can then either take an next action or complete the task or whatever it happens to be. Now, because this book was written in 2001, which as I mentioned was the dark ages when it came to technology in relative terms, it was a whole 19 years ago. So the methods are pretty analog, which is good. And I, and I do appreciate a good analog process every so often, but some of it I found way too paper heavy. And, and I just thought, well, that would just never work now. When I was applying this and starting to organize my life into the getting things done method, I set these all up as different Trello boards. And then I set the different lists on the, on the board up as projects, next actions, someday maybe, and waiting on. Now reference, you'll notice I missed, bonus points if you notice that, I missed that I actually set a new board up for reference that I could have and have a much more in-depth reference document folder or board, which was then split out differently. That just made more sense for me. So different lists, like I said, I use Trello, you can use various other things, or you could go kind of old school and use some kind of notebook. So that brings us to the point of processing, collecting and clarifying what needs to be done. We've downloaded everything, We've put it into our five different lists and we've decided what needs to be done next. What is that next action? And we've started to learn how to process those things. So that's big idea number two, collect and clarify. Big idea number three, your next action is key. We do to-do lists really badly. They're generally quite horrible. They end up with these big horrible things on there like do taxes that we avoid because we just don't know where to start. So we look at that on our list and we think, oh, I don't know where to start. That's such a big thing. Oh, I can't be bothered to do that now. Ignore. And it just ends up on our list 
forever and ever until it gets really vital or really urgent and then all hell breaks loose and we end up having to pull an all-nighter to do our taxes or whatever the big horrible task on that list is for you. So everything needs to be boiled down to its next action. So if we keep using our tax example, look, everyone can relate to this one. So we take that into our next action. It could be dig out the login details for the online tax form. There we go. That could be the next action you need to do or download the form to fill in, something like that. What would you need to start with? The next action after that might be download all my bank statements and my pay statements. So you actually break it down into its component parts and the next action you need to take. Now, something like do taxes would probably count as a project under David Allen's getting things done method because it takes more than one action to do it. It's then about getting these next actions processed. And in the book, it's very much about in between your other calendar commitments. Now, this is where I probably diverted from really liking the method to thinking, well, I'm not sure about this. Let me tell you why. In the book, he talks a lot about processing things in between your, your fixed meetings or fixed commitments. And in your calendar, he argues that your calendar is only for your hard commitments, which are generally meetings, is what he is the examples he gives. And you shouldn't make plans for your daily to-dos because these will get derailed quickly once an email comes in or someone walks up to your desk or someone gives you a call or whatever that is. So therefore, when you have a bit of time, maybe 10 minutes between meetings or an hour between meetings, you would start going through your next actions list, which you'll remember from big idea number two is one of your mega lists of the five. And you would then just work through those. So you'd work through those and you might categorize those next actions into you know, under 10 minutes or 10 minutes to half an hour. You know, again, there's different ways of actually of carving those up or, or segmenting them. Now, this was written in 2001. Things have, let's, let's admit, things have changed a bit since then. So I'm not sure if I loved that, that scheduling part because I felt, or I personally feel, and again, other people may disagree, I feel that your deep work needs scheduling and should be one of those solid things that goes into your calendar. So for me, I would update this or personalize this slightly by building into your calendar those big commitments of time that you need to put into getting things done or getting that deep work and those big projects moving, which can be absolutely things from your next action list. You can, and I think that the next actions is, is gold and that should remain, but the scheduling in your calendar only being for those hard commitments with other people for me seemed a bit limited. Now to the exception to the next action methodology or the next action being key was the someday maybe list. So you've got this someday maybe list and I don't know about you, I certainly have this problem where I often find myself daydreaming about doing something in the future or moving to this place or becoming qualified in something, whatever it is, but you end up having, you have all these little daydreams and these, these ideas for the future. And sometimes you end up procrastinating on those, doing a bit of research, looking into it, planning an alternate life somewhere else, whatever it is. What I loved about having the Sunday maybe list is that you can park those things. So on my Trello board, I have my Sunday maybe list and it's full of all my hopes and dreams. And it just is there as that reminder that these things aren't going away. They can remain ideas for the future. But in the process and in the method, he talks about every week you should have a process of looking across all of those lists. Now, for, that might be more often than weekly for some of the lists. It might be less often for others. And the someday maybe list is maybe one that you would look at on a monthly basis, for example. 
and it's that good reminder of going, do I still want to learn to play piano? Eh, actually, I feel that's past. You can delete it. Or when you look at it and think, you know what? I really do want to live in Singapore at some point. I should really start getting that moved along because time isn't slowing down. And I think this is going to be a good time in the next 12 months to be looking into that. So whatever it is, you can you can park those things and just have them there as a little bit of a reminder, not just in your mind, ready for some kind of midlife crisis or whatever it is that brings those things to the forefront of your mind. And as I said, that one doesn't need to have a next action. It is just the big ideas, the throwaway stuff that you, who knows, might want to do at some point. So that was big idea number three. The next action or your next action is key. Break everything down to its next action and think about scheduling those. Now, I've mentioned a few things that I liked and didn't like so much about the book. A couple of others just to throw in that I haven't, I haven't mentioned yet. Number one, I said there was a lot of manual processes and there's this list called the tickler the tickler which is in the book is this extravagant process of 31 manila folders now who is carrying around 31 manila folders to remind them and each of them so obviously each of them represents a different date of the week or of the month sorry and you would then put in things that need to be done on say the 15th into manila folder number 15 no absolutely not absolutely outrageous so this my tickler is now a list in my reminders in my iphone simple i am not <laughs> carrying around can you imagine that taking around 32 or oh, 31 manila folders with you madness so given that it's now 2020 i think we can do away with our tickler files being a manual thing and upgrade some of these to the digital era once I got over the shock of that system, I really enjoyed setting that up. So I set things up in my tickler folder. So because most of my family or all my family live in the UK, I set up reminders in my tickler folder or my tickler reminder list two weeks before everyone's birthday to remind myself or a little reminder to pop up and say, have you sent mum's birthday card and present? So all of those little things that I would normally generally have to remember but it might be a week before and I think, oh, have I got time to send that? And I can't go to the shop because I'm traveling or, or whatever it is. So that's now in my tickler list or my tickler reminders to pop up two weeks before. Similar to that, I also put in when I'm due certain invoices. So some invoices I send on a monthly basis. A couple of days before they're due, I've set myself a reminder. Again, things that I generally remember, but sometimes not until the day, which you know, isn't being very kind to myself and really thinking about the the core methodology of removing things from my brain removing that need to remember stuff and I found setting this up was really refreshing I felt much lighter afterwards and thinking ah oh, all of those things and there was obviously various other ones I set up too but all of those things are now dealt with I don't have to think about them until my phone tells me to think about them and when I've given myself obviously enough time and space and kindness to do all of those things in good time that was very refreshing. I really enjoyed that. So I recommend doing taking on your own tickler. You can rename it. It's kind of weird. Anyway. So I am trying it. I'm trying the method. The thing I, because I set this up over the Christmas break, which is a bit of a, it's a good time to set these things up, but it is a bit of a false environment because you're not, you just don't have those same pushes and pulls as you do on a daily basis normally for the rest of the year. So I'm trying it. I like most of it. I've I found myself being a bit reactive sometimes and I just need to get into the habit of 
putting everything in my Trello board on the next actions because I'm still I've still got a few lists in different places. I've got one in my notebook. I've got one in or a couple actually in my phone for different projects. And then I've got this Trello one. So it is making sure and maybe that I need to, maybe that is a sign that I need to take my next actions list and move that into my phone notes list because that's what I access more easily and quicker than my Trello board or more likely to, to access than my Trello board. But all of these things are just finding your own method or your own tools to use with the underlying method and the underlying principles. So I will be keeping you updated on Instagram in my stories and little posts on how I'm using the method, especially as we get back into kind of normal life in mid-Jan onwards. So there we go. That is your three big ideas from the book Getting Things Done. The three big ideas, in case you missed them or you've forgotten, is number one, outsource your brain. Number two, collect and clarify. And number three, your next action is key. If you like this episode, if you found it useful, I'd love to hear from you. Contact details are in the show notes. Drop me a note. But otherwise, until next time, happy reading. Happy reading.